This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. Joining me is my former colleague and uh, television expert, commentator, Dan Barrett. I always think this is spiritual colleague still, James. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. We, we've never been separated spiritually, have we? <laughs> now, Dan, of course, is the um, very prolific author of Always Be Watching, which is a daily email, maybe two on Fridays? Uh, yeah, two Fridays. So Monday through Friday, I do a sort of crack of dawn style. These are all the big TV screen stories happening around the world. So I focus on the US, Australia, and the UK-ish, sometimes a bit of Canada, depends what I want to mix in. Just essentially the major news stories you need to be across if you're interested in screen culture. Yep. So it's not necessarily industry stuff because the Media Week morning report, that's got that completely under wraps. <laughs> okay, but this is more in terms of if there's an interesting review for a new show that's just started. If there's, yeah, if you're a fanatic yeah. TV watcher. Exactly. And if you're you, like really hardcore And you want to be TV, on it, yeah. So yeah. Dan, Dan Germain. Um, and, and then on Fridays, I do a, this is what's launched on TV this week. Because it's hard to keep on top. And everything. he tells you what, what he'll be, he tells you what he's going to do on the weekend, which is a <laughs> which pretty good. Which watch TV. Yeah, which yeah. is a pretty good you know, if you follow him, you can say, okay, yeah, I should be doing that too. It's, mm. my, it's my little cheat sheet on Fridays, I must <laughs> say. I don't always get to spend as much time as he probably does, but the intention is there. Now, there's also a weekly podcast, Always Be Watching. Now, you and your friend, uh, and your mate, what's his friend, name? Uh, former colleague, actually. Former colleague. Uh, and current colleague, because yeah. he's on a podcast with me. Uh, this guy named Chris Yates. That's he's right. a indie musician from, you know, a whole bunch of bands over the years. And it's the two of us just talking about what we've been watching on TV with the idea that's not necessarily reviews, but really it's talking about the sort of spirit of the shows that we've been watching. And it's trying to sell each other on the idea of, hey, no, usually Chris is selling me on like a music doco because he knows I never watch them. But he's always trying to find that interesting thing about the doco with that guy who slides the knob up just to hear the different types of levels in a music track. Yeah. You've all seen that doco before. Now, you've just started a new... I'll tell you what we're going to be talking about in a minute. We'll finish the, pro, we'll finish <laughs> finish the proper the plugs. plugs for Dan. So now this is Disney Plus Dan. What's that? Uh, so I got really excited about Disney Plus launching as a service. So I'm always excited about a new streaming service. But what I was particularly taken with here is that if you look at the Disney Plus catalogue, it's got a much broader collection of old classic movies than you'd find on any other service. So jump on Disney Plus and you'll find a collection of films from the 50s, 60s and 70s. And you can't say that for any of the other streaming services. So these are all films which aren't necessarily classics. In fact, there's some downright terrible movies in there. But these are films that haven't really been available because Disney tends to uh, warehouse their films after a little while. So they try to make them seem a little bit more special and exciting when they are re-released into the public again. But with Disney Plus, it's all just available. So if you go through there, you find those old Disney films with Jodie Foster in them. And there's, uh, there was a terrible film I saw the other day called Million Dollar Duck, which the idea of it is, is that there's a scientist who's fallen on hard times. Animated? No. Live action. Live action. Okay. So I've been focusing on these live action gems. Uh, so it's uh, Dean Jones. Is that the actor's name? Yes, it is. It yeah, is, Dean yeah. Jones from all the Who used films. to be a, almost a Disney character. Um, what do you call him? Um, yeah, I mean, he was like a Disney player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was in all their, a lot of their comedies anyway. Yeah, so this was one of the later ones that he did. Right. And he's the father of like a young child and he can't really give the child what he wants in life. And, you know, they're just struggling a bit financially. But then he comes across this duck that lays golden eggs. And so obviously they're in, you know, riches and all the hilarity that comes from that. Spoiler alert, there's no hilarity. It's a <laughs> terrible movie, but I'll talk about that on one of my podcasts. Okay. Well, good stuff. Now, what I'm wanting, Dan's in here to talk us a little bit. The streaming has 
has has really taken off this year. The the options available to people are, are just amazing, hard to get your head around. Dan's one of the people who does. He spends a lot of his week. Um, not sure if his employers know about how much time he. They don't need to know. <laughs> But um, so he spends his time getting over all this. Um, we, Media Week, did a calculation a couple of weeks ago. If you subscribe to everything out there, you'd be spending around about $300 a month to watch all the programs. Now, Dan's the man who can tell us, okay, how much of that is worthy? How much should you um, be spending? I thought I might start, Dan, but just tell us about the, the – now, you've you probably know more about Disney Plus than anybody else around. <laughs> sure. um, to me, I haven't subscribed. I think oh, there's not a lot of adult stuff there. Is Am I wrong? Uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> so this is the thing. I regularly see those lists like the one that you put out saying this is what you'd be spending all like every month if you want to subscribe to everything. But realistically, you look through that list of streaming services, there's a lot of things that don't really appeal to everyone. No. So for example, uh, KO, the sports streaming service from Foxtel, amazing service. Mm. I've got no use for it in my life whatsoever because I'm not a sports guy. So that's $25 a month that I yep. can just cut out. $20. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. so that I can cut out. I'm not interested in reality TV, so I'm probably not necessarily going to be chasing after Hey You. But if you're a hardcore reality person, like that's a, you know, that's a service you can't live without. It's invaluable. Although a lot of that stuff, and we might get to this later, a lot mm. of that stuff is now on the free-to-air. So after Nine's deal with NBC. But is that you, the new stuff or is that... A, well, no, it won't be first run. Yeah. The but, great thing with Hey You is that they do do like yeah, same-day turnaround. Yeah, yeah. So if you love your reality, obsessed, yeah. you know, you have to pay your eight bucks a month or whatever Hey You costs these days to be sure. able to access that. Yeah. yeah. But if you're just a casual reality viewer, I think that deal with Nine is probably going to sit satisfy you quite comfortably. Yes, there's so much yeah. Kardashians and back catalogue now that it'd take you, you wouldn't be able to keep catch up, I don't think. That's your weekend taking care of, James. Oh, it's more, it's a year taking care of, almost <laughs> catching up on that old stuff. So we'll t talk to us a little bit about Disney+. Plus. I mean, it obviously appeals to you. Uh, so it appeals to me. So I'm a big Star Wars nut. So, I mean, I grew up as a child of the 80s, so Star Wars is part of my DNA now. Just got spliced in at some point. I love that. Uh, I'm a comic book guy, so I always check out the Marvel stuff. Even if I'm not like a diehard Marvel person, I still like to be able to watch these TV shows as they debut. So with Star Wars, The Mandalorians, the brand new live action show, I had to watch that. There's no way I'm not subscribing to Disney+. Plus. But also I'm like, well, you know, if I like Marvel, The Falcon and Winter Soldier's coming sometime through next year. Uh, there's a bunch of the old Marvel shows on there. There's a whole bunch of Star Wars content I want to watch. That's probably enough for me to justify just going, you know what, I'm going to pay for that year-long subscription, $90, and just put it out of sight, out of mind. It's just always there for me when I want it. So I don't think I'm going to get $90 worth of value out of it. If I wasn't doing this podcast where I'm talking about old school <laughs> Disney stuff, there's like no way I'm like spending that much time okay. within the app. But like the other day, my wife said to me, oh, I want to watch Home Alone. Where can I find it? And this is just after, before we started the podcast, James is ragging out on Home Alone as if you'd want to talk about that. <laughs> uh, but she wanted to watch Home Alone. I'm like, oh, well, it's on Disney+. Plus. Fired it up and it was already there, you know, waiting for us. So it's just the access of these films that you wouldn't necessarily think about immediately, but they are there what for you. What sort of a job have they done on the navigation and all that sort of stuff? Is navigation, it pretty or I think it's fantastic. So it's not like... Okay, so Disney Plus have a different objective to Netflix. Netflix want you watching as many minutes per day as possible. And the way they measure that is that if someone's spending a lot of time watching hours upon hours worth of Netflix every week, then they see value in the service. They subscribe again next month. Disney aren't necessarily interested in that. They want you watching maybe one or two things a week, a month even, just as long as there's just enough for you to like justify that subscription going forward. 
Because they, what they want to do is engage with you from a brand perspective, whereby you look at it saying, oh, well, I do watch those two Disney things, and you don't want to necessarily give that away. But they undersell the price of it a little bit as well, because they're not so much interested in selling you that service. They're interested in selling you the Disney brand as a whole. They want to sell you theme park tickets. They want to sell you the movie tickets generally. Uh, when you're shopping for you know gifts for Christmas, like... Disney merchandise suddenly comes into mind a little bit more than it otherwise would. Are you doing that? They also have cruises these days. There's so many ways you can spend money with Disney. And by having that Disney brand as a touchstone in your life on a regular or enough basis, that becomes a strong consideration for you when you are spending on holidays or whatever. So the way Disney has structured their streaming service isn't necessarily with the idea that pushing that new thing constantly, although the originals are at the top of the bar. But that doesn't change around in the same way that Netflix does. Rather, just saying, hey, look, here's the big marquee things we've got. Here's The Mandalorian. Here's Jeff Goldblum. Uh, the World Court is Jeff Goldblum. Here's High School Musical, the series. They've got that there, but they're static boxes that don't really change until a new show comes along. And I'm not putting out that many frequent new shows. So it's a good library. You can go through there and trawl your way through there to find what you want, but they're not necessarily pushing the stuff at you. Will Disney Plus be offering sort of adult fare? not connected to maybe Marvel or Star Wars? So this is probably the real issue at the moment, where if you're an adult, and I think you're an adult, James, mm. yeah, as opposed to a man-child like yeah. myself, <laughs> you're not going to find that much on Disney. However, if you're in the US, they've also got ownership of Hulu, which is where it's believed they'll start putting all of those adult shows they've got on there. So I'm not so about adult, like pornographic, no, but, no, you know, but just you know, for grown-ups. stuff, yeah. Yeah. So they've got, if you think about Disney over the years, they had Touchstone Pictures, which is like that mature sort of branded yep. thing for a lot of their movies. And they had Miramax for a while, but that's a different catalogs. So don't even really think about that too much. Uh, but like all the Touchstone stuff, like that's not going to appear on the Disney Plus platform because it's too grown up and it'll dilute the brand and it's brand damaging. So that stuff will probably crop up on Hulu and you'll start seeing a lot more original stuff there. They're talking about a global rollout for Hulu. I'm not expecting to see that in 2020, maybe towards the end of the year next year. But, but they don't we'll get see total happens. control of Hulu for a while, do they? Um, I'm trying to remember. So it was Fox that were... It's like a year well, or two, I think. When they purchased 20, Fox, they had the majority of that stuff. Um, I can't remember who the third like party was in control of stuff. I forget. It's, off, it's out it of mind right now. Oh, it might be NBC. CBS, I, I thought NBC had just sold their share, but maybe it's just that time period that we need to wait for okay. it to completely go. Yeah. But regardless, like Hulu is essentially going to become the destination for grown-up fare. Yes. It's just when we're actually going to start seeing that. And also how far they actually want to stretch the idea of what a family Disney Plus service can be. So the one thing I'm holding out for is I'm sure they're going to start mining a lot of the 20th Century Fox properties and start moving those over to Disney Plus and find the kid-friendly things to put on there. So I would have thought maybe Planet of the Apes would be a very safe franchise they might take from Fox. And they've decided they're going to do a movie instead, so there probably won't be a TV show's high-end for that. But maybe there will be, and maybe they will go grown-up enough to have something like Planet of the Apes. But they've got a new TV show based on High Fidelity, if you remember that film from a couple yeah, yeah. years ago, Great based film. on a Nick Hornby uh, book. Yep. Yep. Uh, so you're finding that as a new TV show that's going straight to Hulu despite being developed for Disney+. Plus. So they are trying to work out where that margin exists quite now to work out, you know, okay. what, what exactly is that line between adult and family. Yeah, Comcast was the partner in... Um, yeah, so NBC in, Universal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's interesting. The um, Okay, now, Apple TV Plus has started very slowly, but it seems to me it's going to be a bit of a sleeper because their strategy seems to be they'll be dropping some big bombs every month, like some really powerful content. What are you watching on there? Nothing yet because I haven't bought a new iPhone. <laughs> so you don't want to pony up the $8 a month for it? Oh, no. I, or not yet. No, because there's not enough sort of quantity there. Yeah. When 
the whole season of Morning Wars is there. I'll probably do a trial, and if I like it, I'll stay on. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, is we were talking about the, that play. No, no. Well, we were talking about the idea of a monthly spend. Yeah. And this is where the idea of that monthly spend gets difficult, which is that we're talking about those services you can just drop because you're not really into it, and that three hundred dollars suddenly drops down to being about sixty dollars. Oh, yeah. I'm not suggesting anybody would ever want to spend. Oh, not at all. But yeah, just, just that idea where you okay. look at you know these are all the streaming services, yeah. but realistically, like I've only got so many hours in a week, and I watch a lot of TV, but I couldn't justify having that many services. Okay, so I mean, I probably look at my spend being about $60 a month. And if I think about it, in the mid to late 90s, when I was an independent person away from my parents and was you know, in charge of my own sort of spending, I'd get maybe like two weekly rentals a week, mm-hmm. okay, from the video store. Remember that? You'd go yeah. to a store and you'd actually get your movies that way. What times? <laughs> but when you're doing that, it was like $7 a movie. And so you'd be paying like $14 just to get maybe, you know, two movies or maybe like a pile of weeklies as well. Still as like cheaper than going to the cinema. Though. Okay, still cheaper than going to the cinema. But like every week I'd spend about $15 mm. doing that. If I think about that $15 spent over four weeks, that's probably what I'm paying now for streaming. And the amount of content I get now versus what I was getting then, like it's just doesn't oh, yeah, compare. Doesn't, yeah, absolutely. And I'm doing better now than I was when I was buying DVDs through the 2000s. So, as well. so all right, so back to my question. That. But back to Apple TV, yeah. uh, they've got the thing where if you buy a new Apple device, you get a year free with it. Okay, or you do what I'm doing, which is paying eight dollars a month. So again, like depending on what you want, what your lifestyle is, you're not necessarily spending that dollar value. But for me, I actually find value in that eight dollars a month because that first week, like this is what I'm watching, and this is kind of what's dominating my weekend now. I get home on a Friday, and instead of being a cool guy going out drinking <laughs> with my mates, uh, instead I'm sitting down watching the morning show or morning wars, yep. as we know it in Australia. I'm watching the new episode of that. I'm watching For All Mankind, which is the really interesting uh, alternate history space series they've got, which I actually think that's the sleeper gem on Apple TV. Like, James, you have to check the show out. You would dig this particularly, I think. Right. Uh, it takes an episode or two to find the group. So what is it? So- it's called For All Mankind. For All Mankind. Okay. Was that pro- one of the launch episodes? It's a launch season? title. Okay. So their big three or four launch titles were Morning Show slash Wars, uh, C, see. which is the Jason Momoa, blind yes. guys, you know, there's a child born who can see and it's like, you know, crazy. Uh, Dickinson, which is the Emily Dickinson uh, teen comedy. That the space race thing? Aren't they? And then For All Mankind, which is the space it, race. Uh, so the premise is uh, the opening scene has all the families around the world in 1969 gathering around their TV sets to watch man walk on the moon for the first time. And then the twist on it is, is that a Russian flag gets planted instead of the US. I love the idea. Yeah. And so from that point, essentially what's happened is the US have been beaten by Russia by just a couple of weeks to walking on the moon. And because that's happened, the Cold War shifts instead of being focused on space missions. And instead of the Cold War sort of dying out by like the mid 80s, we're going to see that just continue on as the intensity between these two countries increase. So it starts as a mild diversion in history. But as space, because tra- space dominates a lot of technology that we use, as that happens year after year, you start seeing the changes in culture and technology in a way that the broader culture is changing. And so two seasons from now, we're going to see an entirely different America and world than what happened in real life because of this one change that but happened. But it's made as a drama. It's a drama. drama it's an hour long. It's a bit like Man in the High Castle if yeah, the Nazis had won World War Two. Yeah, but this is maybe just a bit more grounded than that. That was... Okay. <laughs> I mean, that was sort of a very big, bombastic kind yeah. of approach to it, yeah. where this is about the subtle change that have big ramifications. Okay. And it's a really fascinating, just fun show. So I'm watching that every Friday. Uh, there, was, there was like a movie called The Elephant Queen, which launched, which was a terrible sort of nature doc. And that was fine, I guess. But since then, we've seen the debut of Servant, which is a new sort of horror show from M. Night Shyamalan. And I really like that as well. So I'm watching that. Uh, there's a new show that launched this week called Truth Be Told, 
which I haven't seen that yet, and I don't have high hopes for it. But already I'm watching four shows mm. coming from Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus, within a month and a bit of the show la- uh, service launching. Uh, Morning Show and the other launch titles, they're going to drop off in the next week and a half because they're going to run out of episodes for their first season. But straight after Christmas, I'm pretty sure we're going to start seeing new shows. Well, they've here. invested a lot they're of money, drop. haven't they? And they've yeah. got some good stuff in the pipeline. But they're all very watchable, and I'm watching more things with the regularity on Apple TV Plus than I am probably any other service. So if I think about it, like there aren't many shows, but the ones they do have, I'm really into. So I'm finding huge value in that service. Okay. All right. Well, let's try this then. If you're, and we'll use this as, as you and you get your thoughts on it, but yep. what's your basic, your basic list of um, must-have at, at this point in time, must-have services? Yeah, you need okay, Netflix. so we'll start with Netflix, right? Yeah. You okay. can't not have Netflix because okay. there's at least a show on there every month that you're going to be excited to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, Amazon is a must-have. But also, when I get Amazon, I'm not just getting the streaming service. I'm getting the, uh, the Prime Amazon Prime benefits. delivery. So, I mean, I do a lot of my sort of toiletry shopping through Amazon and just get that delivered because it's a little bit cheaper and, you know, just kind of gives me that value for money. But also, I just find that that archive of content on Amazon, it's not wildly huge. There's lots of weird, quirky things on there. And then, like this last weekend, I just went nuts for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is one of my favorites. And so, I absorbed all of that within a day and a half. So, you know, there's... there's oh, there's good stuff. I mean, yeah. there's other things. You mentioned the... It's only, um, it's only what, is it seven bucks a month? I think six ninety nine, uh, something like that. Yeah. Or you can pay uh, annually for slightly less. Yeah, so I mean, I get the, uh, like, delivery aspect to it as well, which costs a bit more than if you just get in a video service. Yeah, so it's two days free shipping yeah. in Australia. Um, you get... I think you get a couple of credits for Audible. I talked No, about. you don't get the Audible credits. Well, I think that might have been a promo at the beginning, maybe. Because I logged on today because I was buying, surprised. I went to buy Riot Act, right? The, the, the Mark new Mark Humphreys podcast. Daniel yeah. yeah. So I logged into my, because you can log on to Audible as a Amazon Prime customer. Mm. And I certainly had a couple of credits sitting there. So I just wondered if I got credits as part of that. I reckon when you signed up, maybe they gave you two free credits or something like that. Okay. And with Audible, I think you get credits for six months before they disappear. Right. Yeah. Okay. But you also get you get the you get the basic level of Amazon Music, I think, as yeah. part of that. So if you just listen to you know if you've got like a Spotify account and you're just doing that casually, hmm. like you might as well just use the Amazon Music because I think yeah. it's just as that good as free. Service. Yeah. There's um, no ads. So you'll find that the Spotify's of the world, they're doing a lot more sort of content ads into that kind of thing as well, where there's a new National Lampoon's podcast, for example. And so that's going to be exclusive to Spotify later this month when that launches. And they're also giving the big back catalogue to all the old National Lampoon's radio shows as well. Uh-huh. So there's value to things like Spotify, but if you just want a little bit of music, Amazon Music's pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's not a bad deal. Okay. Okay. So Netflix, Amazon. Yeah. What would next, what do you think next? So Apple TV Plus for me. You think that's up, that's like, already ranked that I high think with it is. you? Yeah. But this is also month, you know, month one and a half. Yeah, it yeah. might come that I reach the, like January and find that the new shows I've launched aren't really to my tastes and maybe they lose me for a while. I'm not sure. But right at the beginning, I'm actually finding this is a pretty decent service. So you, I'm in there. Yeah. Um, Disney Plus, I'm in for that. Okay. But are you good at? At checking your, because a lot of people, and I'm guilty as one of these. <laughs> yes. You sign up and you just 
it just you just lose what you've paid for and you don't sit there and go through your credit card properly every month and, and you don't take the time, look, I haven't watched this for three months. I'll go and unsubscribe until there's something I really want. Look, I would say that I don't necessarily do that monthly, but I'd say every two or three months, like I'll just look at that one charge and okay. I'll begin thinking about am I getting value from this service? So I'll admit, Stan, I dropped in the last couple of weeks because okay. outside of watching The Circus, which is a show that they get through Showtime, yes. I'm just not really watching anything on Stan. So, like, my wife was watching The West Wing, which we already have on DVD, and, uh, like, we've bought the files through Apple over the years as well. So, it's already there for us. So, once we just cut out watching it via Stan, like, there's no reason necessarily to stick around with that. I might swing back at uh, New Year's Day when I've got the debut of The Glooming. There's um, some interesting uh, Stan originals this summer, I think. Yeah, so that might get me back for a month or so, but I don't know if I'll be hanging around Stan that regularly. Okay. The content okay. supply just isn't quite there for me. Sure, mm. sure. Okay. What else have you... Are there any other must-haves or, uh, or ones that you must have? Yeah, so in terms of must-haves, like this is kind of where that idea of the expenditure each month kind of comes into play a little bit as well because there's a few things sort of around the margins that are a little bit interesting. So this year back in, what was it, maybe August, they had the launch of Tubi, which have you watched any of Tubi? No. Uh, this no. is a... It's T-U-B-I, right? That's right. Yep. It's a streaming service with, you know, when you go to JB Hi-Fi and is there's those ad bins. funded though? It's supposed to be ad-funded. So it's free? It's free. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when you go to JB Hi-Fi, there's those bins of just terrible movies that you'd never yeah, yeah, would consider yeah. watching. Yep. Okay, so Titanic <laughs> 2, for example, is one of the premium titles there on Tubi. Okay, so... Probably like a few bookshelves in your house full of that stuff. Oh, uh, you know, there's a bit going on. <laughs> However, like, there's a lot of stuff that isn't premium content by any means. Yes. But there's a few gems in there. And what I love about that service is going through and finding those gems. So Titanic 2, I'm obviously going to make fun of that and not watch it. But there might be, and I was trying to think of something I have watched recently. Uh, nothing's coming to mind. But there'll be things that are very specifically like niche targeted things that you might just be keen on. Uh, so it'd be like, oh, I remember that movie that I stumbled across at 2 in the morning on Channel 9 that time. And you might just sit down and have a bit of a nostalgia play. But there's actually some good films in there as well. So there's a lot of older films that they've clearly gotten on cheap. So a few Hitchcock films. So Dial in for Murder sitting in there. Uh, Charades in there. I found Suspiria sitting in their catalogue. Reservoir Dogs is in there. So there's name films. So if you're a movie buff, like I think it's well worthwhile going through those free services to see what's there. And then in the last week, do you know what Plex is? P-L-E-X? Plex, I thought it was a hard drive where you can store stuff. Very close. <laughs> okay, so there's lots of people of whom have uh, like extensive DVD collections that they've backed up digitally or they've torrented files and done like naughty stuff. Oh, it's an downloads. online storage service, and isn't it? What it is so is it? that if you've got a hard drive filled with all that stuff, yeah. um, on your streaming device, so you can get it for Apple TV, for example, essentially you've got an app on Apple TV and when you set it up, you say, hey, Plex, my hard drive is here on the network. So you link the service, that's your thing. And it creates a Netflix-style interface for all the files that you just got sitting on your hard drive. So you go into it saying, hey, I want to watch um, Reservoir Dogs. And it'll come up saying direct sequence in Tarantino. It'll have the cast of the thing, a little synopsis. And you can watch the trailer for the movie. And it's a really sort of smartly integrated thing. Now, as I said, lots of people use that for torrented files. And there's a lot of sus activity going on there. But they're trying to legitimize it at the moment by having a free streaming service as part of it as well. So as of the last week, not only do you have all the stuff that's sitting there on your hard drive, but a whole bunch of Tubi-level movies, but also maybe a little bit better, uh, just sitting there waiting to be streamed. So I've been hunting around to watch the right stuff, uh, being like the astronauts. Tom Wolfe's? Yeah, yeah, based on the Tom Wolfe Story Wolf. about astronauts. And because I've been watching For All Mankind, I've been thinking I really should have watched mm. you know, this real movie at some point. 
that's sitting there on play. So like there's films of actual reputable note that are there waiting for you. Again, free ad supported content. So there's no fee for Plex? No fee. Okay. Yeah. And oh has it always been free? Uh I believe so. Like so, I think I think they do have like a premium thing you can sign up to that allows you to access your files remotely and there's a few okay, like there's no actual hard drive that there's they no sell drive. that you can also back up online. I don't no, believe so. Okay. No. Well that's interesting. Can you any of those files you download for viewing when you're not online from places like Netflix or Stan and that, mm. they're all time-coded, are they? So you couldn't back that up somewhere and watch it at a later date? No. Well, at least like your average person like, who doesn't know no. what they're doing probably couldn't. <laughs> I'm sure if you know how to root your phone and you can probably get Don't in there and to me like pull that. those files out, but James working blue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's... that's, uh, that's I, I should that's say that there's good. an interesting thing with the Disney Plus app where yes. they actually... Because obviously Disney Plus is orientated towards kids. Uh, so the thing is that if you've got a kid who's, you know, three years old screaming in the backseat of the car, the last thing you want in the world is for them to pick up the app and find the same thing you find when you've downloaded a movie on Netflix a few months ago and the license is expired for it and then suddenly have to re like renew that license. You know, you get like a little box and you press the button, it takes about 30 seconds for the wheels to spin and then suddenly you can watch it again. You don't want that with your screaming kid. So Disney Plus, because they own all the content that's in there, they've actually made it so that as soon as you've got it downloaded to your device, that license never, ever expires, okay, until you cancel your account. Oh, so wow. as long as you've got an active account, you'll never mm. find like that issue. And it's purely just to make sure that you've got that experience with your kid who desperately wants to watch The Lady and the Tramp and it'll just be there for it when they want it. Okay. Now, you're. am I right in thinking you're still a Fetch customer? Uh, yes, I still get Fetch. Okay. Do you have any of their packages? Uh, so I've got, it's called the Ultimate Pack, which has the four or five different packs in there. Okay, which is, yeah, it's I'm like, trying to think, is it 20 bucks? Uh, yeah, once that's 20. 20 bucks a month? 20 to 22. So, so that's part rates. of your monthly spend? Yeah. Because you're not, you don't have Foxtel. Uh, I don't have Foxtel. Do you ever, say there was a bunch of stuff on Showcase you wanted, would you go in for one month and like Foxtel, what's it now? Is that the digital one you can get and just get it for a month? Yeah. So, I mean, I've got the situation as well where my parents are Foxtel subscribers and have been for, you know, 20 plus years, like oh. 97, I want to say so is their anniversary. A... So, I've been sneakily like yeah. accessing their Foxtel Go, but I don't really watch that much stuff it's on there either. sneakily. It's really, well, you're yeah. part of the family, aren't you? Yeah. So, I guess it's allowed. I mean, they do live in a different state, but... Uh, is that in the fine print? Uh, I'm sure they'll probably look the other way for me. They're probably okay. <laughs> Okay, interesting. Now, while I've got you here, I thought I might ask about, there's actually, a, you mentioned Tubi before, but they, there's a lot of the free-to-air. Oh, can, can I just go back to Fetch yep. for a moment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things I've had recently is the launch of MSNBC on there. Yes. And I've been accessing MSNBC streams like for mm. the last couple of years through really dodgy ways. It's great to have a legal op like legal venue now to see that news channel. So I'm a bit of a lefty at heart and I really have a strong passion for US politics. So it's been a frequently watched thing in my house since Fetch have launched it. But what I find interesting is that with the changes in what Foxtel has been buying from MSC MSNBC, what Fox <laughs> has been buying from NBC Universal, getting my brands very confused there, uh, because they've dropped some of the channels that are being dropped from Fetch now because it's not financially viable to run it for just the Fetch um, subscriber base. Okay. So they're losing Sci-Fi Channel from Australia and I want to say maybe Universal Channel. Uh -huh. I'm trying to think what the NBC Universal Channels are. But anyway, like two of those are disappearing. So there's definitely movement happening around Fetch as well where 
they're going to strike deals. There'll be new channels to replace them at some point. But what they're so doing, you'd be so, sitting up watching Morning Joe, is it? So Morning I, Joe. I, I do go to sleep watching Morning Joe. Yeah. I have it streaming on my Apple. That must come through okay. about ten o'clock at night or something. Yeah, thereabouts. Thereabouts. But I will say, here's my problem with Fetch as a service, which is that I've got just a small like mini box, uh-huh. and so that's on my lounge room TV. I don't have a TV in the bedroom, but I do have a little Google Home display. So it's the Google Nest display, I want to say it's oh, called. Yes. Uh, Nest yeah. Hub, I think they've branded it to uh-huh. now. And what's cool is you can Chromecast any TV show or movie to it, really? but Fetch don't do Chromecasting. Hmm. So I can't Chromecast my MSNBC and fall asleep to it at night. But you could use the Fetch app on your phone. Which I do do, but like yes. it's a smaller screen than my bigger oh, Google phone. come on. You're comparing the phone to the... Have you got an iPad? Yeah, but also oh. my phone charger is <laughs> a thing which is like upright. So if I want it in like 4x3, okay. it's a whole... It's very concerning. Yeah, mm. yeah. All right, oh, good. Now, I wanted to ask you, there's a... Some of the... There's, there's lots for free that's pretty good. Yeah. With some deep archives. And one of them, of course, is SBS On Demand. Mm. We should talk about that, maybe iView. Yeah. But particularly SBS On Demand. Just say my former make... employees as well. Just, yeah, well, yeah, okay, yep, yep. Disclaimer. For a bit of disclaimer there. <laughs> but uh, their movie... I, I spent a lot of time promoting that service. Their movie library is pretty amazing, isn't it? Oh, look, I think that movie library is incredible. And part of the reason why I left Media Weeks to go to SBS was because of that movie library. Mm. Like, I thought of any of the streaming services in Australia controlled by a free-to-air broadcaster. It seemed like SBS On Demand was really like the biggest and best game in town. I'm always impressed by that streaming service in terms of the depth of library on there. Also, just in terms of uh, foreign language acquired um, dramas on there as well, there's always something interesting. So since I went over to SBS back in 2016, you've seen the rise now of Netflix and Amazon who have both entered the Australian market with a lot of foreign language drama. So that's definitely competing in that space with SBS On Demand. But even despite the fact that you've got those big money players there, I still find that SBS On Demand still have a couple of good shows each year they're able to grab ahead of the others. And that's just because they know the content as well. They know who to speak to and they know where those gems are. So those long-term relationships. Yeah. And iView's still got a a fair bit of stuff too, hasn't it? You can dig in there. I I find it a bit problematic unless you're searching for for specifics. Yeah. uh, iView to navigate. I mean, it's still, I think, it still has the most hours out of all the free-to-air streaming servers. Is that true? I would have thought that... No, because um, they say... I would have thought SBS On Demand would be... Well, actually, yeah, no, you you could be right. Um, No, I think think iView's number one. SBS is the biggest out of the commercial players because the commercial players don't acknowledge SBS as a commercial player. Yeah, even though, like, there's... (laughs) Anyone who watches SBS On Demand know the ads on SBS On Demand. Yeah. 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 D- depending which platform you're watching it on, it's right. the most reliable of services. There, that's the, as you mentioned, that is one of the downsides of those free-to-air. Those ad breaks get pretty annoying and you can't mm. skip them. Yeah. Um, whereas at least if you're recorded free-to-air TV, you can fast-forward ad breaks. Yeah, but the amount of time you spend fast-forwarding through an ad break and then like when you have to rewind a bit because you've gone too far. Oh, no, mate, if you're good at it, you just know <laughs> when to slow down. You've got to know your hardware. <laughs> the, um, now, I was going to ask you, I can't remember, have you been, um, the BBC and ITV have jointly um, launched a service in the UK no, yeah, which I haven't checked out yet. It's been on a list of things I keep meaning to do. I believe they've got some plans to go international, and it, some people think it might even get here um, next year. BritBox, that's the name of it. Okay, so that's extended, because I knew they'd done something. So BritBox has been a brand operating out of the US for a while. Yeah, yes. Yeah. They've had it in the US. It's launched big time in the UK, I think, this year. Mm. And I think they've got some uh, ideas that could be coming international in um, 
Yeah. And so this is the thing. So the way that that works in the US is, and it's interesting in the US because I think the US BritBox has a bit of Australian content on there as well. Okay. It's actually really easy to get Australian content now in the US where that was obviously never really the case. And so I'm kind of actually wondering, and this is a theory that I've been playing around with the last few days, James. Uh, so there was the announcement by Amazon that are going to be rebooting Pax of the Rafters. And so yes. that's going to be what will be essentially a short form mini series of like about four or six episodes, I think. I don't know if they're movie length or if they're regular episodes. I think yeah. they'll be regular episodes. They haven't revealed the number of episodes. I'll be thinking they probably want to do at least eight. Yeah. Surely. But it'll be a short formish Amazon yeah, length sort yeah, of yeah. A, sort yeah. of run. It won't be the 22 to 30 episode oh, no, well, that we used to Maximum of 10, I would have thought. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm sure that's probably about uh, right. Absolute maximum. But you think about that. So that'll be launching overseas, and I'm sure they're not going to push it that much overseas. Like, it'll be a big deal here, but it's probably just going to be part of the catalogue over there. But if you think about that, and if for some reason that actually strikes a bit of a viewership on Amazon, you think about what's actually been working well in terms of our exports of late. So you think about Packs of the Rafters, and the biggest success story of all, Bluey, the mm. animated show that's coming out of Ludo Productions in Brisbane, um, that show is doing gangbusters because that's currently on Disney Plus in the US. Okay, and yep. I know that viewers are there because um, my wife and I have been buying a couple of Bluey toys and shipping <laughs> over via eBay. And there's definitely a market for it. Like, people are super excited about Bluey right now, and I'm seeing that passion come through and the fact I'm at OzPost every few days. What are you doing with um, Bluey toys? Uh, I'm selling them overseas. Oh, you sell them? Yeah. Oh, I see. Not oh, a massive a I'm thinking you're no, buying them. No, no, thinking, what uh, we did actually buy them. So what happened was we ended up buying some for uh, my nieces. Okay. Uh, there's a couple of nephews in there. Yep. These are the nephews, but we had a bit of a surplus. Mm -hmm. So we went, well, you know, we've got eBay, so we'll just try that. Wow. And they were snapped up within about a day and a half because people are watching on Disney+. Plus. Gee. Yeah. So anyway, there's definitely a market for that over there. Yes. But I was thinking the one thing that maybe Bluey and Pax of the Rafters have in common is that they both really speak to Australia's niceness. And I've been thinking for a while that Australia needs to work out what it is that we want to export overseas that defines us in a, as a country the same way that, um, you know, the Scandi countries did with Scandi Noir a few years ago. And so that really boosted that international market and created this hunger for Scandi content. What can we do to create a hunger for Australian content? Maybe we just play into our niceness. Like, it just seems like just something which no, one, no other market really has that. But you do sort of quaint, interesting, wholesome drama with like a bit of an edge to it, which you'd definitely find with the packs of the rafts, for example. Yes. And even Bluey has like a bit of an edge to it to so a certain degree. It's very nice, but it still has like a bit of roughness. Like that, maybe that's what we are. Sure. And so I'm thinking as we see all these streaming services overseas with Australian content, like maybe that's the way we can actually really push ourselves. Could I ask you a quick question before I let you go about The Irishman? Yeah. The, um, I sat down to watch it last weekend and I just couldn't get used to the, did you, sit you it know through? what I'm going to say. Well, I was going to say, did you watch the entire thing? No. Okay, how far did Fell you get? Fell asleep. <laughs> what time did you start watching it? And this isn't an indictment on you. I About 8-ish. Is... Yeah. Okay. So there was no way for me to stay, because I usually start the day pretty early, for me to stay yeah. awake three hours till 11.30. It's not going to happen. I, I don't think that's an unusual situation. So almost everyone I've spoken to have watched it in multiple parts because they keep falling asleep <laughs> through the film. Mm. It's not the most exciting of movies. <laughs> and it's definitely not what Scorsese's best by any means. I think it's a good movie, but it's not like right My question there. was going to be about the... De-aging. De <laughs> which, which is probably okay, but I just couldn't get my head around it. And Mr. Scorsese is supposed to be the film purist. And I'm thinking, oh, really? Because he's out there bagging Marvel and stuff like that. <laughs> going, oh, you know, they're not real movies. But then here he goes and uses as a software to, to make these people look younger. So I saw the film on the big screen. And I deliberately did that because I wanted to make sure I'd sit through a three and a half hours straight. Okay. Okay. Because I knew I'd fall asleep on a couch or pick up the phone and start playing around. <laughs> and that's just the thing. That's kind of what you do with a movie that long. 
because it's on a big screen, I didn't notice the de-aging. Because I think special effects look better on a big screen than they do on a small screen. Yeah, of course. I think the artifacts of it all starts to look a little bit more fake. You need a bigger TV. Uh, my TV's okay. <laughs> uh, but I think the smaller your TV gets, the yeah. more fake things start looking. Of course. Okay, and so the big screen, I thought it was fine. Really? Okay. okay, but also, like, I made it through the three and a half hours, which apparently 26 points, I don't have the figure in front of me, 26.1 million people watched it over the first, I think, 10 Correct. days. Yep. You've got that. That's a massive viewership, but I'm wondering how many of those people actually made it well, through. Well, I did see a stat about 80% of those people didn't go all the way through. Yeah, so... But the good thing about that, it is... That's not quite right. So if for it's on figure, Netflix, you can just... We you can go come back, back to You it. keep going back. But, like, whoever goes back. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> go back for the Irishman. Yeah. Uh, did you sit through Marriage Story? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. I really liked it. Yes. Yeah, um, I reckon people are sitting through more Marriage Story than they are the Irishman. I, I, I would agree. Yeah. But I think it's a very clever move, though, because it rounds out their product. Mm. So you've got proper major movies, yeah. not, not TV. Cause not a lot not of, Netflix-style movies. Yeah, that's right. So you've got yeah. proper major movies with, you know, A-grade TV content. That's the model, I think. And what Stan are doing with the um, True History of the Kelly Gang. Is mm. that the right name? Uh, yeah, that's right. True Story of the Kelly Gang, whatever it is. Um, True History of the Kelly True Gang. True History of the Kelly Gang. Yeah. That, uh, I'm sure that will do very well for them. And if they can get a few of those every year, along with some major, you know, local product with a reasonable back catalogue, there's your model. Look, I mean, to an extent... But also you kind of think about it and with all these players offering year-long service uh, subscriptions, so like Disney Plus you can do a year, Amazon you can do a year, Netflix don't do that yet, but I reckon it's probably just a matter of time. Until Stan they, don't do it either, I don't uh, Stan don't do it. But I kind of feel that when you start like sort of spending out, here's a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there, you start to think over the year, like what am I actually watching a lot from? So if Stan are only spending about a month and a half each year with like this sort of fresh new original content, which you look through, like they've got from Christmas Day through to, uh, with the Commons, which they yeah. use on Christmas Day, uh, through to True History of the Kelly, uh, Kelly Gang, which is Australia Day. That's like four weeks. That's a month subscription to Stan. Okay, like if I've watched all of that then, like am I necessarily sticking around? Maybe not. After that. No. And like let's say that the Commons so I, is really I don't good. think you're the normal customer though, because I think most people would. Uh, yes and no. I, I just think that when people sit down and start looking at their budget... That's when I got. I suppose start it goes up to seventeen dollars. It can cost you. Yeah, I mean, that's if you get the four K. Yeah, if you're on yeah. the ten level, mm. which is still HD, isn't it? And no, one, isn't it? I think that's an not SD. E- it's not even HD. I, like I know I was paying fourteen dollars when I cancelled mine. I was only getting an HD oh, okay. okay version. Have you got a four K TV? I don't, which is why no. I didn't go to the seventeen. Neither have I. Yeah. Okay. I need a new one. Same. Yeah. I'd love to have four K, <laughs> but um, still probably not necessary yet though. I mean, mm-hmm. HD is pretty good. Yeah. And there's still not a, a huge amount of content. Yeah, these are the lies I tell myself as well, James. <laughs> well, that's good. All right, anything you want to finish up on? Uh, any big shows you'll be really looking forward to getting into it uh, with a few days off? Oh, look, so at the moment, I'm actually finding more and more shows around right now that I'm super into that I haven't really felt this way for a while. The big show, which I know that you haven't watched, James, I, I feel you haven't watched it, is Watchmen, the new HBO drama. Correct. And could I make him maybe yes. take a hazard a guess here and say you haven't watched it because you're not really a superhero person and that's been a bit off-putting? Correct again. Okay. Put that aside. Yep. Give it a look. Watch the first episode. If you're not digging that at all, then mm. don't continue with it. But I think you'll be surprised at what they're really doing with the show. Okay. Because while there's definitely a superhero angle to it and it's based on the Alan Moore comic from the mid-80s, which is a great little piece of literature that's well worth reading, even if superheroes aren't really your bag... The Watch, uh, Watchmen as a series is dealing with not necessarily superheroes as much as it's dealing with uh, the trauma experienced by the African-American, uh, well, African-Americans 
okay, since, you know, essentially they were dragged over on the boats and it's continued on. So it's about this generational trauma that they've been experiencing. And it's sort of through the framework of superheroes. It's a really interesting show. I know that you've got a skeptical look on your face right now, James. Oh, no. No, but no. give it a look. It's good. The first 15 minutes of the show particularly is just a complete knockout that you haven't <laughs> seen anything like this on TV before. Okay. It's just incredible. But if I was going to say, if you're going to look for one thing, like trend thinking for 2020 going forward, the company that I'd be looking at, the streaming service that I'd be really focused on is what happens with 10 All Access. Oh, really? Okay. So 10 All Access, we haven't talked about that at all. No. And this is purely because- 10 bucks a month. Uh, is it? Yeah, it's $10. Yep. It's $10.99 a month, maybe? Mm, I think it's $9.99. $9.99? Yeah. Yeah. It's too expensive for what it is. Yeah. There's only like four originals or something. Yeah. So they launched and they've got a couple of CBS originals. So Strange Angel, which has since been cancelled. $1, also cancelled. Uh, they've got Tell Me a Story, which I think a new season of that debuted this week. And the Mark Cherry drama, Women Who Kill, yes. which is kind of okay. Uh, that's also going to be commissioned in front of the second season. So you've got that happening. And then there's... I, I think that the year that they've launched, so it started on December 4, 2018. So it's been about 12 months now and haven't really done anything to really distinguish themselves in the market and say, this is a service you should even think about. Okay, and it's because they've got things like, sure, they had those originals, but I don't think any of them have really excited anyone to a big degree. The Twilight Zone was probably going to be a great coming out party, but they only started screening that like about a month after okay. it debuted in the US. Uh, the Star Trek shows, which is what CBS All Access is about, um, I know you're not a Star Trek guy, but it's a big draw card, James. Wow. Uh, Netflix have Discovery Maybe. in Australia. When Picard, which is the next big Star Trek show to launch, uh, that's going to be an Amazon Prime video around the world. So what else is so, 10 All Access going to be? Well, this is the thing. So you also think about all the new CBS dramas that debuted if in If they September. pulled the Showtime stuff out of... Okay. CBS well, pulled the Showtime stuff out of stand. Now, now we're on. getting somewhere, James. Now you've got a reasonable uh, now, streaming Now we're show. getting somewhere. So you'd think the CBS dramas, when they launched in September... Debut a few of those on there because mm. while CBS dramas aren't the big zeitgeisty shows, they're often really dependable and CBS know how to build a brand over a number of years and really grow things in something. Uh, you think about like maybe the big breakout show they have had this year, which is this great show called Evil, which comes from okay. Robin Michelle King, the Good Wife creators. Really great show. It's debuting You're a big in, Good Wife fan, aren't you? Big Good Wife fan because I love these guys. Yep. But this show I think might be better than The Good Wife. Okay. I'm, I'm really into this program. Uh, but it debuts in, I think, January or February here, like months after the US. So they haven't done anything this year. But what happened last, well, in the last couple of weeks, last fortnight, CBS and Viacom have now merged, which means they can now pull on each other's uh, library catalogs. Mm. They're going to be playing a lot more with their digital catalog in the US and seeing what's possible with it, both via CBS All Access and Pluto TV, which they're the big digital asset. They're going to start playing around with those and they're going to look at these international markets more and see what they can actually do to leverage that library across various markets. 10 All Access, I think, has been launched pretty much with the idea of, we've launched it in the market, we'll get to this at some point. I think with the actual focus on these services now, they're going to look at going global. And 10 All Access, next three or four months, probably nothing's going to happen there. But just keep your eye on it, because okay. there could be some real growth there. And as you said, there's that Showtime deal over at Stan, which would be mm. expiring sometime in the next year or so. I'm trying to think, it's been about four years of Stan now. So like you'd think like the next 12 months, they're probably looking at what they're doing. If uh, CBS Viacom or Viacom CBS are looking at really beefing out their international services, like that Showtime content is going to play a major role in that. So, yeah, Tenor yeah. Access, keep Could an eye on it. Could be a big game changer locally. That Absolutely. That deal, absolutely. Now, do you use a VPN to watch much out of the States? Uh, look, I do. So, I do keep what, a... Can you stream... You can register, can't you, for to stream CBS, ABC and NBC? Uh you can actually watch all of that without a login. CBS, you can't because that's 
all their content is locked onto CBS All Access. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, but you can stream NBC and ABC. So you can do that. You can just do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I thought you were heading somewhere else with that. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a big grand question coming. Officers, here he is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I just realised the sting operation I've walked into here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, now look, always good to see you, Dan. Yeah, uh, no, likewise. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, so good. as you said at the beginning of this podcast, uh, this year has been all about streaming in a big way. Yeah. So Netflix has been around since 2016, 15? The years are just flying Netflix, past. Netflix, oh, yeah. it's made its first originals in 2013. No, but like in oh, terms of Australian launch. Oh. Um, I'll just say it's maybe... Um, 15 or 16. 15, 16. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be And like stay in the same year as well. And like for the first couple of years, it's really just been about Netflix and Stan. Mm. It just felt like in the last sort of month and a half with the launch of Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus, this is really the coming out of streaming is the major way that people are watching TV in Australia now. There are so many opportunities to watch content. And come early next year when HBO Max launches in the US and you start seeing that content flow into the Australian market via Foxtel, there's just been so much TV to watch and so much access to not only new programs, but old archives of content as well. So if you think there's a lot to watch now, like 2020 is going to be massive. You won't see nothing yet. Absolutely. Yeah. All righty, Dan. Good on you, mate. Yeah, Talk thanks, soon. James. Thank you.